Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. I'm the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, and I am the Executive Director of the International Outreach and Disciple Making Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. For the last 30 years, we've had ministry expressions in over 70 countries. You can learn more about the effective manner in which we're raising up national evangelists and disciple makers and church planters by going to traincpe.org. I hope you will. Your prayers and your gifts are used by God to sustain our work. Now for today's lesson. David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life in Psalm 23 verse 6. Listen, this is what God can do. He can take the sins that you've committed and the circumstances that your sins have caused and he can turn even these things into agents of his good blessing in your life. The consequences of our sins may be transformed into sources of joy and fruitfulness. Disappointments on earth can become the appointments of heaven, and with it God can give us the sense of recovered freedom. Paul knew what David was talking about and gave the Christian this promise in Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Who else can say that? Who else can truly say that? Oh, I know the celebrities get up there because their managers have told them to say this. I have no regrets for the things that I've done because without them I wouldn't be who I am. They're lying. They have regrets. <laughs> They're lying. It's just a posture. It's the only way they can sell their CDs and their DVDs and their movies and the plastic image that they're presenting before the world. But only the person who is being pursued by the goodness of God can believe that God can take the failings of our lives and turn them to great blessings upon us and others. He goes on to say this, disappointments on earth may become the appointments of heaven, and God can give us the sense of recovered freedom. Surely the goodness and mercy of God shall pursue me. Paul understood what David was saying by the Holy Spirit, he reiterated the same promise in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He said, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Let's make this be our third question. What makes us a candidate for this goodness and mercy? What makes us a candidate for this goodness and mercy? I mean, listen, if I go and I look at individuals' lives, I know for many of these lives, payday is coming. I know that justice and wrath is pursuing them and will overtake them. I know for certain that the avenger of blood, the consequences of their sins are going to catch up with them and draw them down into ruin, not only in this life, but in the life to come. There are only, it seems, a few that have goodness and mercy outpace these pursuers. It's the reason why we feel sorrow when we see someone willfully and rebelliously, who we love, turn away from God's outreach to them and they turn themselves against, willfully against the will of God to practice their own sinful pursuits. The reason it grieves us is because we know the price to be paid. We know that in that action and by their sins, they have unleashed the hunter upon their lives and they're going to be pursued into ruin. And whatever moment of pleasure they gain in sin will be but a brief moment. And then they better start running because they barely have a head start over what's coming upon them. That's what seems to be happening to David here. 
We should remember for ourselves as well, as we look at them and those others who fall into sin, that it could be true of us as well, because the Bible says all of us have sinned. So what's the difference? Why should I be a candidate for the goodness of God and the mercy of God outpacing the pursuer, the avenger of blood? The just wrath that I deserve because of my sins. What's the difference? Why should I expect instead, like David expected, this wonderful reversing promise where goodness and mercy come upon me instead of shame and sorrow and suffering and sin? Well, the answer is found in Romans 8.28. The promise comes to those who love God, it says. We know God works all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And those who love God, love God because they have answered His purposeful call of salvation. Those who love God, love God because they have discovered the calling love that God has expressed in dying for their sins, in providing a complete and utter sacrifice for all of their rebellion and sin. They have allowed all the sins of their past to be plunged under the sacrifice that God provides for them on their behalf. And they see God's love is coming first, and they love God. They love Him. Listen, here's the order. Go to 1 John chapter 4 and see this order. How do I come to the point where I love God in the right and proper way so that my love for God actually positions me to be pursued by His goodness and His mercy? Well, you find the order in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 and 19. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 and verse 19. In this the love of God has been made known towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. That is, the one who bears our wrath in our place for our sins. Let that sink in. That's His love. He has borne the wrath of the avenger of blood on our behalf because we were guilty, because there were no accidental crimes that we had committed. He bore it all in our place because He loved us. Now, verse 19, we love Him because He first loved us. Let me just put it this way. You cannot fully love God until you have received His gospel good news of Jesus Christ dying for all your sins. Loving you first, claiming you first, calling, effectually calling Him to yourself first, answering His purposeful call to wash you and cleanse you of all of your sins, be restored by His saving grace, and then you love Him. You love Him. And He rescues you from the ultimate final consequences of your sins, but oh, the pathway of past sins continually rolls through your life. But it's all right. Because it can't outpace His goodness and His mercy. He'll pursue on and reach you first.
And you'll rejoice even when these other things might pursue. He'll pursue you with His goodness and mercy all the days of your life. That is David's expectation. Brothers and sisters, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, received Him as your Savior, this is your inheritance for this earth. The full measure of God Himself perfectly pouring upon you His own life, goodness, forgiveness every single day of your life, mercy every single day of your life, His utter faithfulness to you, What will this do for your life? Well, I would think that this will fill you with confidence, trust, rest, faith, peace, comfort, even a fat head, victory. I'm going to rise above this because God's goodness is going to get to me first. If you're running from your sin and you think you can outpace it from the shame of your past, there is a better way. Just trying over and over again to somehow sweep aside what you've done in the past and get it right the next time, there is a better way. You turn into God's forgiveness. You turn and you embrace His utter salvation in Jesus Christ. And then you run, not from, but in the tide in the flow and current of His goodness and mercy all the days of your life. He'll even take your hardest days, days in which His special sovereign victory overcomes every single circumstance. And He gets glory and you get goodness. There's only one way, by the way, for us as Christians to strategically position ourselves on a daily basis for this daily pursuit of goodness and mercy. Only one way. Every day we wake up and love God. Every day we wake up and we love Him for the provision He has made for our sins in Jesus Christ. We love Him by answering the call of His purpose in saving us that we might serve Him and give good works to His glory and honor. We surrender utterly to the relationship He's won us to and say, Jesus, You be all in me. Let me have all of you in every place. You stop trying to outpace the sins and shames of your past. Instead, you turn into the freedom of God's pursuing forgiveness and goodness. You turn into the freedom of His incomparable love for you. You claim it. You rest in it. You rejoice in it. Just briefly, as a conclusion, what was David's final great expectation? David has been forced to flee Jerusalem. He's been forced to flee his palace there. But David is at peace. His hope is that one day he will dwell in the palace of his king forever and ever that that home is not so important as the home that's yet to come. It makes sense. If you were a person who has been struck with blindness your whole life and you've given your life to Christ and you're anticipating heaven, heaven will be a place where first and foremost you will see Jesus. If you've been crippled in your life, you're lame and crippled, heaven is a place where you'll run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. If you've been an individual who experienced Sorrow upon sorrow in your life, heaven is going to be the place where the last tear will be wiped from your eyes. If your life has been one of just tremendous, hard, painful labor, heaven will be a place of rest and reward. If you've been cast out of your home, heaven will be a place where you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever.
God is going to make up for everything people think the pursuer has taken from me. Everything. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. So God, give us that kind of faith, that childlike confidence in the all-sufficiency of the provision of your Son for our sins and the provision of your perfect self for our lives. That faith, O oh God, that can rejoice and sing some of the most beautiful psalms and songs on some of the most difficult days. Spirit of God, pour that into our hearts, we pray in Jesus' precious name. I pray for the person who has not yet received you, bearing the weight of their sin still, trying to, trying to make it up on their own. Oh, would they quit, Lord Jesus, and give up and surrender and leave everything for you, I pray in Jesus' name. That person who thinks optimistically that they can outpace their sins will find the race a great disappointment in the end. In the end, will come defeat. But our walk into freedom, the life pursued by God's goodness and mercy, begins with defeat and ends in glory. We say we're sinners. We need your forgiveness and salvation that comes through your Son alone. Nothing in our hands we bring, only to your cross we cling, and so in defeat we find the way to victory. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, just go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, the Lord bless you.